In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. From the epistle, quote, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, even as you were called in one hope of your calling, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. Unity is a popular and even sentimental topic, but it is hard to achieve and even harder to maintain. We criticize warring factions in foreign countries and even divisions within our own nation, but then we fail to maintain unity in our own families, in our places of work, in our friendships, even in our churches. Everyone else's cause of division is petty, but mine has real weight. <clears throat> All the people out there ought to forgive and forget, but I'm entitled to my grievance because my pain is special. As C.S. Lewis pointed out in Mere Christianity, this blindness is a chief characteristic of the deadly sin of pride. The epistle describes the unity of the church in terms of both theology and behavior. The theology part is this. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. We can see in this statement of St. Paul the kind of foundation for the Nicene Creed. Our common recitation of the creed and our common <clears throat> amen to its teachings is a statement of our unity. Heresy or false belief is one's personal descent from this universal faith. Heresy is thus a sin of pride and an offense against unity. It says, my faith my personal opinion has more weight than the faith of the universal church. The epistle also describes the behavior that promotes unity. Quote, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring, working to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. If the unity of the body is more important than my grievances and opinions, then I must work towards that unity and work on my own pride by practicing humility in my daily behavior. Both right doctrine and right behavior are necessary for genuine unity. <clears throat> It is, possible, it is possible to be humble in one's behavior, but to believe in things that are false and divide the church. And it is possible to be right and also to be an ass. <laughs> the epistle begins with the words, 
I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling or vocation with which you were called. And this provides a link between doctrine and behavior. The Christian life is a vocation, a way of life. In adult baptism and in confirmation, we promise to follow Jesus Christ. This is a behavioral promise to live in a certain way. And the main characteristic of this way is humility. The Son of God left his exalted place that he had from eternity with the Father to come down, to come among us, to live among us, and to die for us. To follow him, therefore, means we must practice giving up our own privileges and comforts and our self-righteousness so that we may love God and our neighbor as we ought. It is arguable that this is the main issue with faithfulness in our culture. We tend to reduce faith to statements of doctrine that we believe in and to members, membership in a church that we belong to. But our faith is faith in a person, Jesus Christ. To be faithful means both to have an accurate understanding of who he is, but also to commit ourselves to live the way he lived. Baptism is a vocation to follow Christ in our behavior each day. First, to give ourselves to God in worship and prayer, and then out of that new relationship to go out into the world and love and serve others in his name. When we fall into prideful disobedience, it is our vocation to return to Christ in humility, renew our experience of grace, and change our behavior. Too frequently we have equated faithfulness merely with believing in the right things. We should remember that the people Jesus criticized most heavily in the New Testament, the scribes and the Pharisees, <clears throat> are precisely those people who believed in the right things but refused to follow Jesus and refused to practice humility. A few of us traveled to Atlanta, Georgia this past week for our provincial synod, which is a gathering of our whole church that takes place every other year. It was significant this year because our synod was held in the same location as the synods of three other traditional Anglican bodies. We held separate meetings, but we had joint worship and a joint banquet. At the end of the week, the presiding bishops of these bodies signed an agreement of intercommunion that included a pledge to work towards forming one unified church. It was a significant event for us, <clears throat> and the feeling of unity among the delegates of all the bodies matched the spirit of the agreement. The original sin of our church and movement was a failure to maintain unity, <clears throat> the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And this resulted from the fact that at the beginning, our bishops focused entirely on doctrine and did not pay attention to unifying behavior. 
Therefore, this change in attitude and approach to each other is historically significant for us. It is a wonderful thing when bishops fulfill their vocation to guard and promote the unity of the church. <clears throat> and they set an, an important example that can guide us <clears throat> as we all move forward in our vocation to follow Christ. Believing in the right things cannot be used as an excuse to behave in ways that hurt other people and cause disunity in the church. Believing rightly about Jesus gives us a vocation to live as he lived, which means to practice humility. Humility is often misunderstood as a virtue that implies a lack of self-confidence, being afraid of your shadow or something like that. But humility is, in fact, the virtue of confidence. It means that we have enough trust and confidence in God and in our relationship with him in Christ to the Spirit that we can fight his battles rather than our own. Too frequently we mistake our own pet peeves and opinions with God's will or we hide behind God's will to justify our pet peeves and opinions. Humility is the virtue of surrender. It is letting go of my fight for attention or recognition or status so that I might take up the banner of faith, hope, and love. It is giving up the bad fight so that I might fight the good fight. Each of us should consider the ways we have offended against the unity of the church, either by holding on to my own opinions rather than the faith of the church, the faith once delivered to the saints, or by behaving in ways that promote my interests at the expense of the larger good of the body of Christ, holding grudges and grievances, refusing to be reconciled with others, we should always remember and take seriously each week the words of the invitation. Ye who do truly and earnestly repent of your sins and are in love and charity with your neighbors and intend to live a new life. These are not just words. They reflect our vocation as followers of Jesus Christ. Our witness to the world consists of proclaiming the timeless Catholic and apostolic faith of the church, and also, and of equal importance, being a new and different kind of community that shows the world a different way to live. Not always being offended, not always fighting for the chief seats at the feast, but rather living in a way that is worthy of the vocation with which we are called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.